Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Filthy Lip Out podcast with myself, Kit Alexander, and my erstwhile colleague, John E. Morgan, the legend. John, how are you this week? All right, thanks, Kitalus. It's uh, it's all good. Um, beautiful weather here in the southwest, so I'm a really lucky boy. Got to watch my um, my club championship unfold. My mate didn't win it, but George Coors, who's a lovely lad, uh, won it. So uh, watched the club championship uh, Cleveland Golf Club, which was very nice. We lived a few old memories. Very good. Good start. We have had good weather. It's nice to get a little bit of uh, an Indian summer here at the end in September. Definitely making the most of that. And action-packed golf all around the world, really. But, of course, the first event we need to look at this week is the US Open. And you've been and played winged foot. We're hearing about how brutal it is, John. What was your experience firsthand of that golf course? Well, <laughs> from the footage I've seen already, Kit, I, um, I think the course was playing extremely different to when I played it, that's for sure. But their layout is obviously exactly the same. And what I find very difficult um, with what I remember of Wingfoot, I mean, going back to 03 when I played it, um, you know, just the raised greens, how small they were and narrow the fairways were. I mean, for the amateurs, I played in a pro-am. So for the amateurs, they, they cut the rough a little bit. They were a little bit more generous with the rough. Obviously, it's not the case. I mean, I've just seen uh, Peter Jacobson put up a, a little tweet of how long some of the rough was. It was like a foot long in places. I mean, I mean, ridiculous, really. I mean, I mean, it doesn't need to be that long, surely, does it? But, I mean, the course is... A phenomenal golf course I and mean, it's still I still rate it it's probably the one one of the best I've ever played I always said Shinnecock but I kind of changed my tune a little bit after the last US Open um, because it just a look, looked a bit silly and I remember the US Open before it when Goosen won it you know it was it was silly then rock hard and he just made it a little bit just I don't know Mickey Mouse you want to call it isn't it that's the old saying but I just hoping hoping it's not this way again. I mean, from what I've seen, the footage on the greens, how slick they are and harder they are. And I think the rough, it's typical US Open style, neon impossible. I mean, it's going to be like Valderrama like we had uh, the other week. So, you know, I think it's going to be absolutely brutal and it could be a bit of a lottery. You know what I mean? Could be a bit of a lottery. Yeah, lots of upturned greens, like you say, and, and they're not big putting surfaces. You've got to be in the right areas or come in with a bit of loft to control it as well so mm. I think a lot of people analyzing this week are saying sort of driving distance scrambling are going to be big big elements you're going to have to do those two things well hit the ball a long way and get up and down when you inevitably miss greens from what you've seen of the course is is that how it stacks up what other skill sets and elements of play would you be looking for for someone to excel there oh course management skill is massive when i say course management skill i'm talking about keeping the ball below the hole you cannot be above the hole you can't you can't be short-sighted you just you don't i mean you can be short-sighted if you get the ball short of the green and you're the greens uphill you know not going away from you you know okay you've got a bit of room for for error but i think people actually if they're out of position um I mean, they're better off trying to find a bunker. Whenever there is a bunker nearby the green, they'll be trying to aim for that bunker. I can't see them. I mean, they're tiny greens for what I remember, Git. And, 
you know, wing foot is just completely brutal. I mean, if the wind blows as well and it's set up like that, I dread to think what kind of the winning score will be. But I think course management-wise is keeping that ball below the, below the hole, keeping it, you know, giving yourself uphill, keeping it as slow as you can possibly get it. You daren't, don't get me wrong, I mean, you can't, Beggars can't be choosers. You can't hit a five iron, you know, 210 yards all, all the way with a dark, with a hard green. And hopefully it's going to stop, you know, just 10 foot below the cup. I mean, you, you'd just be happy to get it on the green, I know, and then take your chances from there. So I just think, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean, course management's a key. Uh, it's hard to pick a winner. I mean, I will pick a winner. I know you probably got your favourites, but uh, it's not going to be easy. I'm just intrigued to see what the weather brings. Yeah, I've looked at the forecast. Obviously, we're a few days out now recording this on Tuesday, so things are subject to change. But it looks relatively benign. Okay-ish temperatures, sort of starting off quite warm on the Wednesday into the mid, perhaps even into the high 20s if they're really lucky. But the rest of the week's looking like high teens, low 20s. Um, so I think... I mean, I was on, did the Sky Sports podcast, podcast with Josh Antman, who you know as well, really well earlier today. And we were talking about that. And he asked, you know, is there the chance that things could get a little bit silly with the scoring and with the setup that obviously we've seen it in the past, especially when the USGA has, re- has reacted to a, a very good scoring US Open the previous year. The next yeah. year, it's normally really on the tough side. And, you know, last year, Pebble Beach sort of played played pretty simply as about as simply as Pebble Beach could do in a US Open as the wind didn't get up so we might see a reaction I think the fact that wing foot is so tough anyway might be on the USGA side in as much as they don't need to trick it up to try and force a level par winning score and looking at the weather forecast I think it's almost going to be straight down the middle in terms of what you see is what you're going to get and we're actually going to get a very difficult test but a fair test as well, which I think is what everyone always asks for. Like there's not a problem with par being a winning score or even over par. I mean, it was plus five with Jeff Ogilvy a few years ago. The issues come when you have to do silly things and trip up the, trick up the course so it's not fair in order to make it hard enough for par to be a winning score. And I don't think that's necessary at Wingfoot. I think it's just a difficult place. So I'm hoping that for once we can not talk about the golf course in terms of the USGA lost by doing this or that yeah. afternoon where the guys just didn't have a chance and we get a fair test and, and it's just a tough one. I mean, they're blessed though, Kit. They're blessed with a great golf course like, you know, Wingfoot. I mean, it is that good. It is that good. I mean, the layout is spectacular. Every hole is a, a marquee hole. Um, yeah, it just looks like it's carved out of, you know, I don't know, just some amazing ornament. It's just a beautiful golf course. I mean, as tight as you like. I mean, it's just, I mean, the greens always seem to be a factor, doesn't it? You know, on a US Open in the rough, it just always seems, you know, the, the greens are, it's like rock hard, you know, you're coming in with a wedge and it's hard to stop it. Can't even get any spin on it. The first bank's massive. And, you know, it's just, it just makes for just a tiring day at the office. I mean, you must be, Whoever finish, whoever plays the USO must be absolutely cream crackered at the end of it. Must be completely cream crackered because it's going to mentally disturb you. It really will. I mean, the, the fairways are tight. Like I said, um, lovely trees around there. I just, um, it's going to be easy to read the wind, I think, uh, around Oakmont if the breeze does get up. It's quite spacious. It is amongst the trees, but you can feel it. They're not so overcrowded. 
They've taken mm. loads of trees out, John. So I didn't know that. There's not a lot of trees there now. That they've returned it to sort of almost the original as Tillinghast intended. Gil Hans has gone in and done a, a sort of subtle revamp, if you like, just sort of taking it back to the so it plays as yeah. it was intended. Um so there you a lot go. Of trees have come out. So Well, there you go. They're gonna know where the wind's coming from. Not gonna get tricked out by the trees swirling and Pushing the ball in different directions, but yeah, I'd, are you going to go for it, boss? Are you going for it? Yeah, I mean, I've had a very long list of people that I've gradually sort of ebbed down. I, I like taking my notes and stuff. Um, amongst the favourites, I've got to say John Rahm sticks out for me. You've been championing him since we started this podcast when golf restarted after the lockdown. I've got to go with that. I've loved what I've seen from him. The win a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago when he drained that 66-foot putt to take down uh, DJ in the playoff was huge. He'll take massive confidence from that. His form's been really good anyway. Um, and I just think he stacks up quite nicely for this test we're going to get this week at winged foot. I, I think it suits his game. Um, I saw a good stat where I think, I can't remember the exact stat, but more than half of the last sort of 20-odd um, major winners have been uh, first-time winners. So even with yeah. the strength that there is, and you look at guys like DJ and Rory and Justin Thomas and uh, the guys that have already got majors, Tiger Woods, of course. Um, he's been practicing a lot there, by the way, hasn't he? Well, he he's has been practicing a lot there since Sunday. He's an interesting one. You know, can he come out of hibernation almost just for the majors, which is essentially how he's he's running his 2020 by the looks of it, and perhaps beyond. Thing is though, Kit. Thing is though, Kit. I've been watching him on the range, bud. Uh, you know, seeing some footage of him. He's swinging it so nice and easy. I mean, there's no strain on the body like it used to be. There's no obscene power that we used to just go, "Wow, I wish I could do that." And or you know, he's both feet are off the deck at impact. There's none of that. He's so controlled. I mean, yeah, okay. He's got a weakness in the back. He's got to nurture it. He's got to look after it. He's got he's got weakness in his knees as well. Um, he's trained harder than anybody else but the thing is he's hitting he's playing golf so within himself and I tell you what he's going to be one to watch because if the wind does get up just say it does or it is really tight out there one way or the other you're not going to have to hit driver all the time yeah I mean this is the thing it becomes course management skills and we know how good Tiger is if it's running fast on the fairways you know, you're not going to have to hit driver. You, you could probably do with hitting a few three woods, finding position, making sure he hits the fairways, which in the past in his prime, he would, he'd belt driver and wherever it went, he would conjure up, you know, a magnificent shot, you know, and still shoot, you know, 67. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't like the red arrows all the time, but he was, you know, he was, he was bloody good. Um, but I think it's going to suit him. His style of play and what I see of Tiger, especially when we see him in a challenge match, you know, over the COVID-19 lockdown, when that happened over in America to his first tournament back. Um, he's a bit rusty with a card in his hand, but to be expected, you know, but he seems to be swinging it beautiful. I mean, I like the way he's swinging it. And I, I expect a good performance from him. I really do. The question is whether he can maintain swinging within himself when he gets under the gun on the course, once those competitive juices really start flowing. But you're right. If he swings with... If there's ever a person that can, it's him. Exactly. I mean, it just that got me thinking and talking about Tiger. I was like, we didn't even talk about him this morning. And another one that we didn't touch on when I was chatting to Josh on Sky, who you would normally be at the forefront of any discussion like this, is Rory McIlroy. I can't remember coming into a major and there ever being less hype 
or chat over Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. Like everyone's talking <laughs> DJ, obviously, is a favourite, Ram, Justin yeah. Thomas, Xander, Chalfalet. I've hardly heard anyone really talk in detail or throw their hat in the ring for either Rory or Tiger, which is remarkable. I mean, OK, Rory's form hasn't quite been there since the comeback. But, you know, we've got the nappy factor now. His baby has been born. That's exactly. kind of, you know, happened. And now we can focus back on the golf as much as you can when you're a new parent. We've seen people have that baby bounce before. Is Rory a, a realistic contender this week? Or is what you've seen since the lockdown? He, he's not quite sharp enough, not quite where he needs to be to be contending in, in a US Open. Well, I, I think Rory, I can't say he's unpredictable. I can say he's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He's definitely not unpredictable. Um, but when he's on, he is beyond belief, you know, the best player for me, pound for pound. I can say that pretty out loud. I'm sure I'd have a lot of people back me on that one. But um, he hasn't found his spark that we're used to seeing. You know, Rory is just, you know, I mean, it's just not, it's not, fully there and rightly so he's got distractions man i mean he's he's changing nappies and uh, you know his, his his sleep is a little bit different so um you know like it always is when you have a kid so you know i say fair play to rory he's got he's got other priorities but it's us open and he's won it before and he, you know i wouldn't be surprised if he uh, pulls all the stops and finds his game but he, like i say you can be on that range for 10 minutes and find it in one swing, and then all of a sudden it's clicked. Got clarity, you are so, everything is so simple and clear, and you're so focused, you're so confident, you feel like you're just, I mean, you feel like, well, the mighty man, and that's it. You're just, uh, yeah, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna back down. But my sneaky one, if I was having to pick a player, I honestly, you backed him, but I just feel it's gonna suit his game, is Xander Schofley, and he looks like he's got a lot of patience. And um, the other one was Tyrrell Hatton for me. Mm -hmm. um, Tyrrell's a really gutsy guy. And when he's on, he's seriously on. And he's one of these, he relishes the challenge. And we've seen it before. And I just think he's already made an impact at Bay Hill this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that. I know, obviously, Tommy Fleetwood just came from Portugal and straight over there. And um, he'd had a nice finish to the Portugal Masters. So that will give him some confidence. And, what was quite nice, actually, the Portugal Masters had um, had some rough on it, you know, for a change. I mean, it's always had it, but it was a little bit thicker than normal, so it played a little bit more difficult. Um, so that was good. That would have probably been pretty good prep for him because of the wind and everything like that. So, yeah, I think he'd be going over there with a nice spring in his step. Yeah, there's a few Brits rounding into a little bit of form and looking quite useful. Obviously, we've mentioned Hatton there. I'd second that 100%. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, I think, is built for a US Open test, that tough grind. He'll hold big putts when he needs to, probably the best putter on the PGA Tour, on the probably the best putter on the planet if, if you really wanted to get into it. Um, even someone like Paul Casey, who, you know, hasn't done great things since the, the restart, aside from finishing second in the US PGA. So he's shown up in the big... Yeah. But, mate, he's a striker, buddy. Yeah. He's a striker. Casey's a striker, and it suits a striker. And, you know, he's... he's. Um, I mean, I, I still believe Casey's got one of the best swings out there. You know, um, I mean, we can question his bottle down the stretch. I'm sure loads of people can. But 
the strike he's such a striker mate and he lived up to what people thought he was going to fade away at the PGA and he didn't you know um, he's a class act he's been a class act for a long time um, he's just yeah I think getting out of his own way having a different philosophy just chatting with a caddy you know I don't know what it is but I, I've always rated Casey's as a striker just yeah. fantastic and it is a striker's golf course without question I've always thought of Paul Casey as a good finisher I know that it didn't quite go his way at, at the USPGA but I feel like Morikawa came in and won that it didn't Casey yeah. lose it you look at Casey historically he's closed tournaments well he's got a good match play record so he he's good in the head-to-head I I'd like to yeah, see but I'm only talking as I'm only talking for the real yeah. real cream de la creme events it's just not happened for him you know I would argue he hasn't. The issue is he hasn't got himself into contention necessarily enough times to show that ability. Like he's been in contention at the Open a few years ago, and obviously the USPGA recently, and it those haven't quite happened. But I can't remember a whole lot of other times where he's been there or thereabouts on a back nine and and hasn't produced it in a major. It's perhaps that he's just not getting himself into position, and when he does that on the regular events, which he has done, obviously far more often over the course of his career he's generally uh, from what i can remember and recall had a pretty good record at closing things out. yeah i mean a british contender would be amazing we've got a few of them there's three scots in the field this week as well which is great oh uh, uh, yeah so good to see a good young generation coming through there are there any real outsiders if we're looking for a bit of value maybe for a bet or a name to come out of nowhere anyone that sort of spring into mind for you um oh good question kit none, none as yet i need to look through the actual uh, sheet properly again and have a little look uh, see the actual whole field i mean there's some serious talent i mean i do i think the likes of your victor hovland or or um a guy young you know coming through or, you know, people like Victor, you know, like Colin Marikawa again. I mean, Colin Marikawa is now a major winner, but, you know, you still class him as a rookie, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. But can he do it again? Can he get on a hot streak? Could Marikawa be like, I mean, could he be doing, a, a, you know, what we've seen Jordan Spieth do? You know, could he all of a sudden get on a run, a run and charge and make a massive dominance? I mean, I, I don't think so. I think the talent's far too great and in-depth uh, to start doing that again. I mean, but then we said that when... Yeah. Jordan Spieth did it so who knows you can get on a run and you're just zoomed in for that but I can't think of anyone off the top of my head mate I really can't and um, yeah there's a couple Ooh. of guys that I was looking at and, and to try and find some value I, I sort of I did look at that distance category the scrambling rankings on the PJ tour for last sort of season the season just gone um, three names sort of popped out from outside 60 to one or longer and that's Harris English who's going at about 60 to one at the minute it's had a great good player it's been really good yeah good player um also Sebastian Munoz who comes in off the back of a couple of top tens including in the tour championship he's won on the PGA tour last season and the one that offers the greatest value um 200 to one Lanto Griffin as a skill set yeah, yeah. his strengths and weaknesses match up really nicely with what I think is going to be required he's He's a good scrambler. He's not short off the tee. Hits it a decent length. Um, hits his, his fair share of greens in regulation as well. And he's on decent form. I'm top 20s, three of his last four starts. So at 200 to one, 
I've had a little dabble on him for a, a bit of value as well. Have you? Yeah, mm. I've had a few bets this week. Well, the USPGA, I had some bets, and my girlfriend Amy had some bets as well, and she backed Colin Morikawa. So I had Xander Schauffelet and I think someone else that finished top 10 as well. So I got a couple of places, but Amy went uh, Morikawa, so she backed the winner. So I've got to get a bit of pride back in our little relationship betting. I'm meant to be the golf expert here and she's back the winner. Yeah, you are. Major, but so. she's earwigging, mate. She's earwigging. She's, she's getting all your ideas, so don't worry about it. Don't take it to heart, mate. But that's Calm what down. I said publicly, yeah. I was advising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, I just, obviously the bat, US Opens are known for being tough tests. I was wondering, what's the toughest golf course and or tournament you ever played in your professional career? Cool, blimey. Um, what would it have been, eh? Jeez Louise, bloody good question. One that I couldn't, I mean, they rip it up. It wasn't made for me. I was in it too short at the time. Uh, it was Houston. Houston mm-hmm. Open. Um, I always thought when I played um, when I played uh, Doral for you know the Blue Monster, because like, that was quite exposed and really windy. Um, you know, this is the old golf course until Donald Trump changed it a bit. You know, I find that really tough. I find find Honda Classic very tough, but to really pick one that had it all. I mean, I played. Down the road, this is when I played Wingfoot, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, down the road there, Westchester. Mm-hmm. And um, the only reason I got to play Wingfoot is because Wednesday, they had a pro-am and they were having a, a pro-am at Wingfoot the same day for people that weren't in the Wednesday pro-am at Westchester. So, um, got to play it that way. And uh, But Westchester was equally just so brutal, rough, so high. Greens, slopey, slick. I mean, I got a good short game. I was playing with Freddie Jacobson, who's ridiculous at short game and he was conjuring up shots like Houdini you know and uh, that was probably one of the hardest golf courses I played um, I would also say it's hard I mean the list could go on I mean I, I really do believe one of the hardest golf courses I ever played off the backs which we've seen on our TV screens was medalist which isn't isn't necessarily on our radar of tournaments but we did see it in uh, the COVID-19 lockdown when they had the charity day but that off the backs is insane I mean insane I mean I felt like I was hitting four irons and three irons I was coming out my ass like all the time like second shot par fours just and to tiny greens I was worn out absolutely worn out I was like is there any wedges coming into this I mean am I able to just gun one and not worry about where it's going you know can I open my shoulders so yeah, I would say medalist for me was a tough one. Typical Greg Norman style, absolutely brutal and brilliant. It sounds like it's obviously that the shot making there is tough as well if you're going in with longer clubs rather than wedges all the time. But it's the mental strain as well as much as anything else, isn't it? That, you know, you're on a golf course, you know, in a tour event, you're probably out there for four and a half, five hours. That level of concentration and the ability to to switch it on and off, so you don't just wear yourself down. Because no human can be fully engaged and fully concentrating for that amount of time, can they? How much is that side of things? Do you think underrated in terms of what makes a good professional tournament golfer? You need team, team. I mean, you can't concentrate for five hours solid. 
physically impossible. You've got to have a breakaway. Okay, you're going to take a few nice little strides down, but it's that's a hard question to answer because you know if I could understand that one, I would have played a lot better as well. So I can't really comment on that one, Kit. Um, I mean, you you play to your strengths. You have to play to your strengths. I mean, I I believe. U.S. Open will be a winner that is probably one of the best long iron players. Mm. I think because of how brutal he's going to play, I think you can hit it down their miles, but how brutal that rough is, you ain't getting anywhere near, you know, uh, on the green. I mean, if it's packed hard and it's hard to hold the green, I mean, pointless coming out of the rough with a wedge in your hand because you ain't going to stop it anyway. So you might as well be back there with seven iron, six iron and be brilliant from that yardage and hit the middle of the putting green. You know what I mean? I think, I, I mean, if I was, I think, I mean, I remember Westwood saying about um, Nicholas Colesart, who we had on the Filthy Lip Out, you know, quite a few weeks back, you know, he was classed as one of the best iron players he reckons in the world, long iron players. And I think, me personally, I think that is where you need to excel. I think, honestly, if Rory wanted to reel it in a bit, off the tee, not send it so far down there and leave himself kind of short-sided going in with wedges, hitting like seven irons, six irons instead into greens because he's so good with those irons. Um, I think you'd benefit massively. You know, I really do. I think it's one of those you've got to keep up on the planet. If you don't, you're just, you're packing your bags early and going home. I really believe that. I just can't, you know, even with the power of Bryson DeChambeau getting out of rough and, and getting driver out everywhere, it's a limitation. This This golf course is just too good. And for five hours, like you said, going back to that question, um, yeah, I mean, trying to keep concentration for that long can't be done. I think it's you've got to have a breakaway. You've got to give yourself a pat on the back when you've done a good job. I think you've got to suck it up when a bad mistake comes your way. I think it's just, it's inevitable. I think everyone's going to have bad mistakes. I think you're going to, I reckon probably the winner will have, I reckon the winner will have four. I'm going to go eight bogeys and a double yeah. on his on his four rounds. And he might have seven, you know, ten birdies or an eagle. I don't know. But it's not going to be a lot. It's not I, going to be I, a lot. I have to say, if you can limit it to what you say there, eight, eight bogeys and a double, I think that's getting the job done all day long. I think... Oh, oh, mate, that's what I think the winner is getting. Out for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we always say it's always difficult to, to win a golf tournament with a double bogey or worse on your card at some point during a week. You look at the stats and, and very, it's very rare that a winner will have that. But you just know that this week it's probably keeping the absolute disaster number or more than two or three of those dreaded other scores off your card because pretty much everyone's going to have one or two doubles, you would think. Oh, without question, mate. It's, uh, I think it's in. I think it's inevitable. I think that's all you got to just. Uh, that's the first thing you got. To, I, I'm sure in the practice rounds now they're going around. They're going, you know, geez, Louise, you know, yeah, I'll be happy to be one over for the tournament on this hole. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'll be happy with two over on this hole for the tournament. You know, it's gonna it's gonna look that crazy out there. I, I do. I think it's going to play ridiculous. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing some more footage later and I'll probably have a better insight. But, you know, for what I know, when that baby's tricked up, it's going to be oh, a Lionel Blair for quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's my uh, my whole weekend is planned out around the US Open watching that. Um, John, last weekend, uh, I was down in your neck of the woods and I came over, got to experience 
your incredible simulator that you've got in <laughs> in the living room which you're showing now which if people can't see i mean john's living room has just been turned into a simulator room it's amazing john tell us a bit about the transformation and what's going on down at your place well you know um being a golfer um uh, i'm very impulsive as well so um which is it doesn't help you know the bank balance doesn't like it um but you know Stu archibald who used to play on the euro pro tour um has gone moved over to um foresight and uh luckily for me give me a nice uh nice deal on a on the gc quad so really and honestly from that I just decided, okay, right, let's uh, get the cage up and running. Um, was able to get a, a mat, got a putting green, got my mate got me a computer, uh, went and bought myself one of these projector jobbies, which are, is unbelievable. It's like having a cinema in your home. But, you know, I've got all my mates dying to come round. I mean, they're all dying to work on their yardages and everything like that. I mean, it comes with, like, five golf courses. Hopefully get some more in time and a, and a driving range. But, yeah, I mean... They've been so helpful. It's a gorgeous bit of kit. And I mean, it's addictive. I mean, honestly, if there was another lockdown, heaven forbid there isn't. But if there is, just that I'm going to be hitting thousands and thousands of golf balls. Uh, my knee's going to explode. I know it. And, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of bets could go on on this, I reckon. So I'm just amazed, right? So you can get Pebble Beach on this machine. And then you can, I mean, get this. So it's like, Say the US is open is on at Pebble Beach, like it was the other year. Um, I can actually get like the Met Office or whatever weather forecaster to actually give me the weather right now, right there across the golf course. So I can play Pebble while watching them in the same conditions, you know what I mean, without even touching anything. So I can press this button and it will give me the local forecast for the Monterey Peninsula where, where it's all happening. And I'm like, ah, how good is that? So I know what that, that seventh plays like, what the sixth plays like, you know, 18, 17, all of them, you name it. I can, you can just, I, I, I think it's a blessing. It really is. I mean, how good is that? I mean, it's bloody unbelievable. It's amazing. I've got to say, addictive is right. We, uh, we went out for a few little ciders, came back on, on the Saturday. And I don't know how, we must have spent a good couple of hours there just hitting different shots, shaping it, doing little nearest the pin challenges. You know, we had one, oh. we had to fade it in with an eight iron or draw it with a nine. So it was just, the time just passed as you were doing it. And what a great way to practice and improve whilst having fun, essentially. Like, I'm not a big one for practice. I struggle to go and stand on, the range and bash balls and do stuff like that. But that, that was two hours of really good quality practice, hitting different shots into flags, working out what was happening with my flight and my yardages and all these kind of things without even thinking about practicing by just having fun. I, it was brilliant. I, I think it's, you know, somewhat impulsive. Some might say, uh, you say, I mean, an awesome oh, yeah, it is. It is. Proposal but I'm not a technical man. Right. And it's, I mean, this is the hard part about it. I mean, it is quite a technical route in a way because it gives you so much information, information, you know, really and honestly, when you just hit balls on a range or you're out on a golf course and you read a shot and you just, you see it and you know what you've done. And then your coach just goes, just put your weight a little bit there or just put the ball back an inch and, you know, done, you know, this gives you, a fountain of knowledge probably system overload if I'm honest so I don't really 
look massively into that. I, you know, I think proof is in the pudding because the, the camera mechanism on this quad is so unbelievable. It's got four cameras that read everything that you want it to do. It gives you the accurate ball flight height. You know, if you pulled it, hooked it, pushed it, sliced it, shanked it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's going to give you that read. And, um, yeah, you can gauge it. You know what I mean? I could do so many lessons out of here. Um, and that's really the objective, really, just to do some videos, do some tutorials with, with my uh, new YouTube channel. So I'm going to, like, get some videos out on that. And uh, if anyone wants some fixes, well, they know where I am. You know, I'm in, uh, I'm in the West Country. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've had my fair share of lessons off you, John, and it's, it's helped 100%. The way you communicate is brilliant. It was... I find it really interesting that you are probably the most natural feel professional golfer I've ever met in my life. And as you say, there's so much information now at your disposal and your fingertips with that piece of machinery there. We see it out on tour week in, week out. Every player is working with a flight, uh, a launch monitor of some sort, getting their numbers, mm. getting dialed in. And it almost seems like the numbers come before the swing if you like you're looking at the numbers first rather than the swing how much do you you mentioned that you're not looking at it in a lot but are there any numbers or things that do pop up you know ball speed spin launch angles that you do kind of keep a little eye on and or that you use to gauge whether you're on it on that day or not or what's going on with your swing well i spin it a lot I don't take much of a divot, but I spin it a lot. So I get that very bloony, bloony shot, that kind of floaty one that just rises up into it. I mean, I'm terrible into wind, um, you know, and I'm brilliant downwind. Um, hence why, you know, I spin it too much. So, you know, really and honestly, it helps you really slow down, shallow it out a little bit, get, you know, compress the ball in a slightly different way. And because you can quickly fix your game mm -hmm. so quickly, it's you know you can tell if you've got it right or not you know you can put the wind into your face and see how it reacts i mean i can i can just change the weather and put it straight into my face a two club wind and see how the ball does rise and if it does and all of a sudden you can correct yourself you can feel like you get your upper body a little bit more over the top and compress the ball a little bit better um you know and also i've got my own coach as well george raw so you know if he if he said right this is what you're doing um you know i can do it uh, willy nilly and obviously Lewis my mate um, he's you know he knows my swing inside out just like I know his so if he came down he could let me know but it's um, I think having this though I've got to be honest with you I wish I had it when I was younger when I was on tour because wedges I, I always got myself in really good positions mm -hmm. and when I was on I was on obviously like anyone when you're on you're perfect you know you, you can't put a foot wrong but Iron play, long iron play, and wedges now and again, I was just too inconsistent. And this would let me dial that in. You know what I mean? I'd feel like I could get in a groove. I wasn't a big practicer, but I'm more of a gamer. So this feels like one big game to me. So it's, uh, it's right up my street. So, um, yeah, I quite like it. I really do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more battles with you, Kit, and with many other people. So, yeah, it's going to be good. It is. I, I love it. I love it. Um, while we're talking sort of West Country, Laurie Cantor, well, yeah. well worth a little mention. I mean, that best ever finish on oh, the yeah. weekend just gone at the Portugal Masters. Uh, that finish, birdie, birdie, up and down from position Z. 
He's a guy that both of us know very well from his Euro Pro Tour days, um, mm. especially from you know him living just up the road. How pleased were you to see Laurie making the breakthrough that we've all known he's had the talent to do for many years? Yeah, I mean, Laurie would be the best person to ask this one. Um, hopefully we'll have him on soon. But I think Laurie, just what I always hear, and I haven't played a lot with Laurie or anything like that, hung out just a couple of times. But, you know, seen him as a young kid when he played for Somerset many moons. But he's just had this, I don't know, he's just a natural sportsman, as we know. You know, he's brilliant at tennis, um, other sports as well, just a natural, loves his rugby. So just a complete sports fanatic. And I mean, he's a monster of a bloke as well. I mean, he's 6'3", 6'4", I think he is. I mean, he's a tall dude. Um, strong, powerful, athletic. Um, I think Laurie's just been lacking, really, for me, just the belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's had definitely has his own belief, but he was he could get himself down quite quickly if it w- wasn't going his way. You know, you could see, you know, it's just his teeth grinding a little bit, you know, too soon, I should say. A bit like yourself, Kit. A bit <laughs> like yourself, mate. Um, but, you know, what I've witnessed with uh, Laurie is definitely a calmer demeanour. And he's got a great caddy. Great caddy. Um, it's a good team. He's a, got a really good team. And I, he looks really happy. I mean, you speak to him, the messages I get coming through, just a different man. I mean, that watching him on TV, just seeing him, if he misses a putt, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, still the battle's on. And he's not giving up the ghost like he used to. And I think this was his problem, why he didn't, he didn't succeed at the Europe, on the PGA Europe Pro Tour. He didn't win because... He would just he would he would screw with his brain, you know, why he made this mistake or that mistake, and it was like he couldn't let it go. Um, I mean, I could be wrong. I hope he corrects me if I'm. I hope I'm, you know, I hope I am wrong. Uh, but uh, I think I'm right on that one. But yeah, Laurie is a talent, and it's not. I'm no surprise to see him out there. I'm just glad it's come out, and so everyone can see. I think we got some good stuff in store from Laurie. I really do because he's got a massive game kit, a massive game, mate, and it's. He's a fit boy as well. Um, you know, he can send it. He can hit it both ways. He's very methodical. When he's clear, he's going to be super clear and he's going to be dangerous. Um, he's got someone that helps him push. You know, he's good friends with, you know, he's good friends with uh, Eddie Pepperell, Tom Lewis, you know, Jordan Smith and... You know, you've got loads of others he's good friends with. And they've done really well recently. So he's being pushed well. You know what I mean? He's being pushed well. And uh, they know how good he is. He plays yeah. all the time with them. So um, it's good when you hang out with, in those circles. You know, it does rub off on you. And you definitely see the mindset change as well. You know, it's, uh, I remember following him over at Hanbury Manor. Uh, him and Jordan in a practice round, Jordan Smith. They're absolutely loving life. Really cheeky chappies. I'm having a little dig at me. I'm having a dig back at them on a part three. And they hit some lovely shots. And I thought Laurie's shot was going to be really close, but it flew the green. It was like half a glove too much. So, um, But they were all in fun and games. Wasn't reading too much into it. Going about their business. And yeah, I mean, just really cool. Really cool. And not surprised. And over the moon for him. And he's got a massive, got to say, his team as well. Sponsors, Cumberwell Park, all the boys over there. They've done a great job. They stuck by him, and rightly so, and all. 
Yeah, that's good to see that the team and the sponsorship has been there almost since day one for him. I think you're absolutely right. He's playing with more of a smile on his face. It was mentioned in commentary that his girlfriend had told him he needed to smile more on the golf course. It seems like he's having more fun on the golf course. Um, And I was really impressed with how he handled the odd little errant shot down the closing stretch. When, as you say, historically, he might have got the shoulders might have slumped. He might have got on himself a bit too much. Um, and he just seemed to take it in his stride. And I think there's absolutely no... Uh, there's a reason that his form is better with a smile on his face. I think that's no coincidence whatsoever. There's, there's definite, definite correlation there. Um, John, before we go, uh, we haven't had a tour tale out of you in a couple of weeks. So I think it's, uh, it's time... Now, there's one that I know you've told me before, and I feel like we need to share it with the wider world because it's brilliant. It's a story about playing in Kazakhstan. Now, you mentioned it very slightly when we had Yost on last week, Um, but I've been to Kazakhstan for that event as well. I've been over there, played in the Pro-Am of the Challenge Tour event. I thought it was a great country, really enjoyed it. But in the early days of the tournament when you were going over there, I believe I'm right in saying the hotel was what the other end of an insane asylum or, or something along those lines. Am I right? Yeah, it was an ex um, KGB, I think, and yeah, something along those lines, like uh, Yost Latin was talking about. But uh, yeah, half of it was yeah for for people that needed some help and um, getting their lives back on track and. Yeah, the other half was a hotel, and I mean there was no latches and anything that you could harm yourself. All the the toilets, the sinks were all kind of embedded into the walls, away from everything, and it was very peculiar because you'd wake up in the morning or get woken up to someone just like making a crazy noise, or you know outside your room, you know walking along the corridors and someone running after them to try and get them and bring them back or something, but. I mean, it was an amazing place. What a gorgeous golf course. Um, I remember playing it. I played it a few times. I played with Pablo Larazabel there. And um, I remember I snap-hooked it on my very last hole to miss the cut by one. Hit it out of bounds. And uh, um, I just laughed it off, you know, because I was like, oh, my God, I've been fighting it all day. And the hole I couldn't dare do it on, I did it on. And that was it. And I'd gone all that way and stuff. But... Yeah, I remember, I remember missing a cut then, and then there was this um, girl behind the, the reception. I asked her, I said, I said, you've got the foothills of the Himalayas here, haven't you? I said, uh, yeah. she said, yeah, yeah. She said, I said, did anyone do a skydive? And they went, she went, what? I said, uh, I said, you must have skydivers here, do you? I said, I've never done one before. I fancy doing one. This is on the Saturday. So they've gone out and played. They don't know what I'm doing. So off I go, and I get this. She ends up coming with me. Don't know why, but anyway, we both jump out of this plane, um, get this plane, take us up, jump out of it, land on the thing. But funny enough, when he's, I'm, you know, I'm in the harness strapped to the bloke, and he's pulled the thing, and it's gone whoom straight up my crack, and I go wow, and then all of a sudden feel really sick, really sick. You know, it's it's someone must have been caught with me, yeah, me, yeah, you know what bit, and then all of a sudden. I, we're floating down now because he's pulled the cord and I'm like, oh, I don't feel great. I don't feel great. And I've just yacked. Right. <laughs> God knows how many hundreds of feet above, above the, you know, landing and it's gone back and whacked him square on in the face. <laughs> All of my, my sick. And I'm there going, 
oh no and I've gone I'm like I'm so sorry mate so sorry and I'm like, yeah, I'm like and then we ended up landing and I'm like led there and he's just unhooked himself and he's like cleaning himself up and I'm still like I'm sorry and he didn't understand a word I said unfortunately but um then I went back and told all the boys what I'd done and that was absolutely hilarious then we went off to I think guys that played badly we went off to what they call the guns and roses nightclub and we danced the night away until early morning and then came back but uh yeah it's a it's an interesting place amazing golf course never a dull moment kit as you well know um but uh yeah luckily for me there were some proper characters out on tour when i was out there so they they, they joined in and didn't make me feel like i was the only nutter out there brilliant i love that skydiving in uh in kazakhstan remind me never to get too close to you when you're feeling sick again or certainly not strap myself to you when you're feeling a bit dodgy exactly exactly me uh john thank you as ever thank you to everyone as well for tuning in and listening to the filthy lip out uh please always remember to like subscribe rate review us wherever you listen to your podcasts the more of those kind of things we get the more people can find us we're also on twitter of course at filthy lip out uh, and you can get in contact with John as well. If you do want any lessons, uh, there's no better man to get looking at your golf swing and you'll just have a great time anyway. So do reach out to John. He's starting to offer some lessons down around his area in the West Country. Thank you so much again for listening and we will see you next week. <laughs>